gather around the lamp and Aston Villa podcast. If at first you don't succeed, come back next year and try again. Aston Villa celebrates the Hello and welcome back to the Gather Round the Lamp podcast. This is episode 44 and today we're going to be tackling some pretty pressing issues going on in the world of football as best as we can. As always, and like last time, I, Regan, you can find me on Twitter at FineFoy, are joined by Harry and Mark, but we're also joined by a voice that some of you may be familiar with if you're an avid listener of other Aston Villa podcasts. Cole from 7500 to Halt has been kind enough to join us in discussing a wide variety of topics today. Um, we're going to be discussing the camp model for the Premier League to continue next se- uh, continue the season, a new coach in the ranks at Villa, players that Villa should never have sold, and of course we'll be breaking down the Jack Grealish saga of the past week and our individual feelings on it. Uh, I'll go through the people joining me today one by one, just so you can uh, get a hold of what their Twitter handle is and give them a follow if you so feel feel that necessary. So Mark, as always, I'm joined by you. Introduce yourself, buddy. What's going on, everybody? Mark Jarebi here. You can find me on Twitter at VillamarkPGH. Cole, go ahead and introduce yourself. How's it going, everybody? Uh, Cole here from uh, Talk Aston Villa on Twitter. And of course, you can find me um, at 7500 to Holt as well. And Harry. Uh, hi, guys. It's Harry Trent here. Um, you can find me at Hazard on Twitter um, and uh, on Under a Gasset Lamp. Yeah, so before we, we get into things, obviously we ended the uh, last podcast with with a thanks to to those putting themselves in danger, and I'd just like to re-echo those sentiments. Obviously the pandemic is very serious in nature, and we'd like to extend our thank yous to all medical professionals and frontline workers from across the world for how they're managing the coronavirus. Obviously, we can't say enough about the folks who are putting themselves in danger to try and manage the situation. And for those who suffer from, you know, mental health problems or anxiety during these times, and they might find themselves increasingly stressed. So, of course, our page and our personal pages are always open if you would like to have a chat or get something off your chest, trade football talk or anything else. It's important that everyone knows that they're not alone whilst they're self-isolating or being forced to be in the public for whatever reason. Under a Gasset Lamp has always tried to maintain a virtue of togetherness with Aston Villa supporters and that's exactly what this world needs more than ever right now. So obviously in the last week or so, everyone's very well aware that Jack Grealish has once again uh, dropped a bollock as it were. And, and done a pretty pretty stupid thing. After posting a message to supporters and fans about the importance of social distancing, just 24 hours later, you know, he went and broke his own word and got out and spent some time with friends and ended up crashing his Range Rover uh, as he was leaving his friend's house. And reportedly that friend is oddly Ross McCormack. Um, so uh, what are your thoughts on this, Cole? What what do, what do you think the reasoning was for Jack doing this? Is it is it you know a, a personality trait that's rearing its head again, or, or was it just a, an act of stupidity? Um, well, I think if you roll back to the whole uh, message that he sent out, 
I, evidently he's just contradicting himself in the long run. I think we can all agree that, guys. I, I think the issue here is you're essentially saying one thing and doing another. Uh, I think that's the biggest issue, especially I have with that. Um, I can understand if, hey, maybe he could have been reached out to by someone from the Premier League, whoever, saying, uh, hey there, Jack, can you reach out, um, provide this message, support this message, whatever. I'm sure they get that all the time. Um, I guess there's... The other side of it, where you look at it, if he never crashed his car, if he went home, we never would have heard about this. Um, I, I think it's just the evidence of it's almost too good to be true in the sense that <laughs> he just crashed his car, and that's the only reason we know about it. And I think the sad thing we have to look at, too, guys, is I think people then look at it, oh, was he drunk? Was he um, on some kind of drug? Was he doing A, B, and C, and D, whatever? I think that's what automatically everyone goes to because of things happening when he was, I don't know, what, like 18 or something like that. I can't remember exactly the age when that whole thing came out about his drunken stupor and all that kind of stuff. Um, there's just, there's so many different ways we can look at this. So, Mark, what what are your thoughts on it? Because especially from... Uh, like our point of view in North America, we see this all the time with uh, professional football players in the NFL, NBA. Uh, we it's just too often, isn't it? Yeah, it's often. It's all the time. Um, you know, it's 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 pretty uncommon. I, I read a pretty uh, scathing write this past week about the whole situation with Jack Grealish. I just I just found myself immensely disappointed, and I thought a lot of the punditry and and a lot of uh, you know different different types of writers. They might not even have been football writers, just, you know, writing about a news story about a 24 year old footballer who makes X amount of money per week going off and, you know, totally just ignoring the social distancing standards that are put forth by the government. But when it, when it really comes down to it, this is incredibly disappointing. And for me, it's incredibly worrying in the case of Jack Grealish, because, you know, if he's going to go do something like this less than what, four or five days, you know, one of his, one of his masseurs, you know, got, got diagnosed with the coronavirus and he was on his deathbed. He was on a ventilator and everything. Um, so like it, it should have hit home for Jack, how serious this was. And I don't think it did. And, um, yeah, we can all say, you know, we love Jack Grealish and we love what he does on the, on the field of play. And, you know, we like what he does for charity and whatnot, but this was incredibly stupid to me. Um, it, it showed a real lack of judgment. I thought he was past this. I don't want the captain of my favorite football club acting in this manner. I'm sure he's been told that, you know, and, and it's not even me going too hard on him. It's just, I have a higher standard for the people that I look up to. And I really have looked up to Jack Grealish. Uh, everyone goes through hard times. Everybody makes mistakes. It's, it's just one of those things where, I don't know, Harry, do you ever really think that, you know, we don't have a lot of football that's going to be played, obviously, anytime soon, and football cures all ails, so do you think this is going to be a talking point until Grealish gets back on the pitch, or what do you think? Yeah, I think, um, I mean, unfortunately for Grealish, this has come at the, the worst time, really, because uh, we're in a situation now where the papers don't really have much to talk about, and then all of a sudden, you know, a, a star player uh, in England contention uh, does something like this, and all of a sudden it's on the front page of the sun. So, um, you know, for Grealish, uh, it, 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 it's come at a bad time, but I think as with anything, um, especially on Twitter, uh, it, uh, kind of judging this situation, I think, you know, uh, you've got to find a balance. Obviously he should be punished and he was rightly fined by the club for, uh, for this action. But at the same time, I think the people kind of really laying into him and, Obviously, I don't know why you know fans of other clubs are getting involved. It, it really should just be a Villa thing, but I, I think you've got to find kind of an, a, a balance of 
um, okay, what he did was wrong. Uh, but at the same time, you know, people are going out visiting their friends. Um, uh, and well, n- not saying this is right, but you know, it, it's not the worst misdemeanor. But yeah, then again, the the the, the fact of the message just makes it a lot worse. And you know, um, long term, hopefully, this won't uh, affect him too much. But it's uh, it's 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 not good. It's not good for the club, and it's not good. It's not good representation for for Villa. You've you've got to take into account that you know w- without this whole pandemic going on, without without the the lockdown uh, underway, th- this wouldn't have happened. He he wouldn't have. He likely wouldn't have been drinking um, that weekend because he'd either been he would either be playing or or. Um, He'd be recovering, but the, the the big thing is that it, it's happened when you know this this kind of thing would get so much coverage. You know, th- there's cases of um, I think Andros Townsend and, and and another player I can't quite recall that have crashed their cars. Uh, Mikel Antonio, I think it was, they've crashed their cars within the last couple of months, and I think one of them was into it like at, at someone's family home, and the other one was into a cafe. Um, and it got very limited coverage, but because there's there's so little to cover at the moment, and there's so much pressure on on you know people in the public eye to be self isolating, that it's just been blown completely like tenfold of, of, of what it should be. Um, I, I've seen a lot of calls for um, Grealish to be stripped of the the club captaincy, and you know for for me personally, I don't think that should be the case. But I I do think he's edging very very close towards a, a kind of last chance saloon in terms of you know his um his behaviour and his de- uh, demeanour on 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 well not on the pitch obviously off the pitch. Um, what are your thoughts, guys? Do you think he should he should be stripped of the captaincy, or do you think it should should be kept with him? Uh, for for me, I I don't think that he should be stripped of the captaincy. I, I you know, as as for hard as as I was on him in that article, and I still maintain again, uh, uh, absolutely just flabbergasted by the stupidity of of what Jack did. But I do think Jack's a smart kid, and you know, he's not even a kid anymore. He's twenty four, but it, it's the fact of the matter of if he's going to continue to make mistakes like these, and he's going to go against his word, what says he goes against his word with not wanting to be at Villa? And, and that's something I think people need to take serious consideration of. As far as the captaincy, I don't think he needs to be stripped of it. But like you said, he needs to know that this is the last chance saloon. Like, I can only imagine what Gareth Southgate thinks about all this. Because we all know Gareth's been to a lot of games that, that Villa have been involved in for the past little while now. And, you know, Jack said he had two two main objectives this season. It was to keep Villa in the Premier League and it was to get into England. And granted, we none of us could have foreseen what was happening with this whole coronavirus pandemic. But, I mean, one of those things is not going to happen. And there's definitely a big possibility now that both of those things aren't going to happen yeah I, th- I think for Grealish <clears throat> in a way he's lucky that the Euros have been cancelled because uh someone like Gareth Southgate you know he he takes this kind of stuff seriously and I think um you know were the Euros uh to go ahead uh as as per normal um I think this would be a real kind of point of consideration for Southgate in terms of choosing him um as a representative as a um you know, you know, as a player that's going to fly the flag for the country. Yeah, it's pretty tricky. I think my whole issue with it, especially when I look at it, is 
from Grealish's point of view, this has to be his last chance. If he screws up again, per se, that has to be it for almost any England chance, you would have to say. I, I just personally, I can't see it. Because when you look at it, what more can he do to, I guess, rectify any kind of reputation after that point? It's disappointing that you're seeing, uh, from a Villa kind of, tinted glasses kind of being off right now you're seeing someone who Villa fans love they admire some people from other clubs just don't understand what the whole kind of hoopla is I guess about him and others truly do respect him and wish they had him on their sides we do see that I, I think the issue going forward is if say if this happens again when he's 27 28 can you essentially trust them to write that ship again I think the big thing for me as well is that like Football has changed, you know. The, you, you look twenty years ago. Um, the stories of of Arsenal players, um, you know, going on uh, training camps before the season, and you've got all the English players sitting in the pub with a beer, and all the French players sitting across from them in the pub with with a glass of red wine and a cigarette in their hands, and you know that kind of stuff. Now, you, you they'd get snapped by paparazzi, and and they'd. You know, be on the front the front of a newspaper. Um, so I think you know, regardless of the fact that it happened in this current climate, you know, I think it would have still caused a massive issue. Um, but whether it would have happened, you know, is is another question. Um, obviously, we 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 can't you know, presume that he, he was intoxicated or even that he was driving that car. Um, but it's it's just the fact that, you know, in in these worrying times, the fans don't need to worry about their, their star footballer as well. Yeah, I, I think it was just one of those, it was a, just a massive, massive lapse of judgment. And we, we know he's better than this. And, you know, he he's talked so much over the past three to four years about, I've grown up, I've matured, it wasn't a good time for me, I didn't have my head on straight. You know, if... if Honestly, if if I if Jack Grealish was in this room right now and we we were just looking at each other, I would tell him, "I'm like, get your head out of your ass." For all intents and purposes, you've got your the world by by the scruff of the neck. You can pick almost any club you could could wanted to go to, at least in England. Um, like he just he got to wake up a little bit, you know. It, it it's even me, you know, not being a Villa fan for a very very brief couple seconds and thinking about the fact of how good he has it at Villa. You know, I'm sure he's getting paid well. Obviously, everybody loves him. He's you know he's adored. He's been a part of the club since he was an adolescent. You know, that's that's a massive massive thing. I just don't understand how the light bulb doesn't go off as he receives that text from a supposed Ross McCormick type character and he's like, oh yeah, that's a great idea. I didn't just send out a video 24 hours prior that says everybody stay home that's what the country needs it's just it's just so moronic beyond my comprehension i just i i'd never expected it from him i really didn't Mm. it's one of those classic kind of where you get this kid who's kind of easily influenced and he just he just jumps in with the bad kids for you 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 know and, and, and does something it's um but you know hopefully he'll like you said, Mark, there'll be people like you uh, having a word in his ear and um, hopefully we can uh, kind of forget about it or at least learn from it and move on and look past it. Absolutely. And I, uh, sorry to make kind of fun of a situation that's serious. 
it's kind of odd that it's Ross McCormack. Does that mean he's still stuck <laughs> in his broken gate? I'm, think, like I'm, his, I'm thinking, yeah. I've been th- thinking that. Yeah, those gates still can't go up, I'm guessing. <laughs> Maybe he was just trying to open it for him, be a good guy. You, you never know. Yeah, you never know. And then he's like, oh, I'll pop in for a drink. <laughs> <laughs> Let's move away from, from Jack a little bit then. Uh, and In the past week, it's been widely reported that the FA and the Premier League we're looking at continuing the current league by way of introducing a camp model. And this idea meant that it would be set up more like the Olympic Games, set in the Midlands, which may be a positive for Aston Villa survival hopes, with games being played behind closed doors with no supporters attending. And this has been a bit of a hot topic for a ton of football supporters. On one hand, some footballers seemed um, to warm towards the idea. Uh, Andros Townsend from Palace has spoken about his support for it. But others think it's a better idea to just bin off the season entirely. But today, the Premier League has released a statement that football will continue when it is safe to do so. And who knows when that's going to be. It has now been acknowledged that the season will not resume at the beginning of May. And in the statement from the Premier League shareholders meeting, players are going to be asked to take conditional reductions and deferrals in their salaries amounting to 30%. With this information relatively fresh, you know, in the last couple of hours, do you think these measures are the right move at the moment? What are your thoughts, Harry? Um, I think... I, I I I think they are the kind of the right measures in terms of asking players to take the pay cut because, um, in in terms of giving money to you know the NHS and other kind of worthy causes, uh, these players it's still their decision to make whether to donate that money and I think you know you'd like to think most would but, um. It's it's just a it's it's like like I said in the last pod it's just a situation that's, that we've never really come across before. Um, like I said in the the last time the season got kind of cancelled was uh, was the season before the war and that that was only three games in. Um, but I think it's it's really opened a can of worms in terms of contracts and um, yeah, like you said, um, money and um, I th- I think. Um, you know, thirty percent—that's that's a lot of money in, in terms of, uh, especially at the top level now, uh, and it'll it'll go a long way in terms of um, kind of helping worthy causes, uh, like I say. But uh, yeah, what 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 do you make of this, Mark? Uh, I I think it's a beautiful thing that the Premier League shareholders got together, and they they know that the the season isn't going to just continue. They're not going to be able to snap their fingers and oh, okay, everything's fine, and we're going to you know bring back thirty to forty thousand people on the same arena, and then the players on the pitch, all those sorts of things. I think the thirty percent of the of the annual salary is a beautiful idea, and I think morally, a large majority of the footballers in the Premier League, and even maybe even down to the Championship, some of the higher earners are are going to willfully give up that thirty percent as long as it's going to a good place and they're you know told that no matter what it's going to the places they think it's going you know it's going to go to or whatnot um but i i don't think anyone should so quickly think that just every footballer is going to be okay with this i i think you are going to get a little bit of a pushback from some players i don't know if that information will ever be made public if there are players that say no i can't imagine it again from a moral standpoint for me i think that you know they all should be able to but they're not being forced to they're just being told to um you know the the shareholders meeting agreed that they would reach out to every premier league club and and basically just ask their players if they could give up 30 percent of their annual salaries so they're not being forced they're 
there's nothing in their contracts that say they have to give up this money. So I think that might become a slippery slope, but I love the fact that they're not putting any kind of time constraints on when are we going to get the season up? When are we not? I don't think that that's a, a very important thing to do right now. I think just, you know, Hey, we're, we're going to give this some time. The 30% thing's great. Cole, me and you kind of briefly talked about it before we started recording. What do you think about this whole thing? I think the thing I love about it is they're just putting the health and well-being of everyone on a global scale above profit. Um, I think people are finally starting to realize on all scales of life that this is bigger um, than most people thought. It's more important to have the well-being of others put ahead of money. Um, And I guess with that being said, in regards to money, it's good to see that they're helping leagues players down those leagues and within those leagues that essentially can't afford it they're playing for a wage that is absolutely crucial whereas your you could even say your league two league ones championship premier league sides there are players on those teams that are making a decent amount of money um, and can afford to kind of splurge on that so it's good to see from that perspective in regards to what mark said and um if people maybe don't feel like giving up their wages, I can understand that. I also hope they don't give that information out and kind of make it public as to who maybe rejects it. It's one of those times in the world we're looking at now with this pandemic that we don't need to be scrutinizing people for keeping their own money. I, I think that's fair to say. If you don't want to do it, fair enough. Um, can I just sorry, can I just add one final thing that I think... Um, when everything quote unquote goes back to normal, I think these mass participation events will be the last things to kind of get started again because they're that mass participation, which means you know if there's any chance of a kind of a relapse uh, in the uh, corona spreading, then it's going to be at these events. Now that's that's a fair that's a that's a fair point, Regan. I mean, we're not going to get too, too philosophical about it, but we don't actually know if quote unquote getting back to normal is going to be what all of us here have known to be normal. You know, there, there's a very, very good chance. And we're, we're starting to see it from some, some leading minds in the world that say that like, you know, things with multiple massive, massive thousands upon thousands of people, that will be the absolute last thing that gets put back into motion. There's so many other things to think about. So yeah, I mean, that, that's a really, really valid point though. Has I, I definitely agree with you on that one. Yeah, I mean, like in in regards to like players, I, I made this this point a bit earlier before we started recording. Um, you know, you've got to think in terms of like a Villa, Villa perspective. You've you've got the likes of marvelous Nakamba, um, Ali Samata, uh, Wesley, who will all be sending money back to their you know their home state, their home village, wh- wherever, to support their families, to support you know the, the people that they've grown up around, especially in the case of like Wesley and and, and marvelous Nakamba. So w- what if they turn around and say, well, I'm I'm sending this much over to you know this place every month why do i need to take an, another cut f- for this and i mean you know it, it may be fair enough especially if though that money now is going towards you know anti-coronavirus measures but um i'm pretty sure there was a meeting today held between uh all 20 premier league captains chaired by liverpool's jordan henderson and they discussed um donating some of their money or or something along those lines towards the nhs um and 
the league is also giving twenty million to support the NHS, as well as communities, families, and vulnerable groups in the form of a direct financial contribution to the NHS and financial support to enable clubs to pursue outreach programs. Um, and in discussion to the, the the survival of lower league clubs as well, the Premier League is giving one hundred and twenty five million to the EFL and National League, which whilst could it could be more. Uh, it is still a great move to keep some of these clubs alive. Yeah, I think it's a, a wonderful thing. It's a wonderful show from the Premier League. Um, listen, they're losing money every day. Uh, if you if you really think about how how much they have in advertising costs through t- television re- revenue, even commercials, even banners, even you know little thirty second snippets on YouTube, you know that that pop up, you know to you have to skip to watch your video. That all matters, and they all add up. And you think of the grand scheme of this thing, they're losing money literally by the hour over and over again. So for the Premier League to reach out, not only the money that they're giving to the EFL and the National League, you know all all four tiers they're very important it's, it's going to be a trickle-down effect and this money's going to have to go into the pockets to the clubs of of the people and players and staff playing and non-playing that really really need this in a very very trying time for the world but you know giving money to the nhs is, is amazing and yeah it, it could have been a bigger number but you know at this point in time i think everyone's just trying to help everybody out the the, the best they can um i i you know, touch on what Cole said about, you know, if, if you can't afford to give money or you're worried about your situation, that's totally fine. And that doesn't exclude it, uh, you know, the premier league. Uh, so, you know, I, I think it's a wonderful thing for them to even think about that when they have a, basically a, one of the biggest fledgling sports league, your biggest sports leagues in the world. They're just fledgling money. So it, it's definitely a, a good show of faith. And I, I don't think it's over by any means. I think they're going to need a lot more money to keep some of these uh, lower tier clubs in order. You know, they don't. No one wants to see any club dissolve. You know, over this. So you know that they'll cross that that bridge when it gets there. But I, I think it's a really good show of faith by the Premier League. Yeah, I think it's. Um... I mean, it, it could be a matter of time as well till, uh, you know, stadiums and facilities from these teams are used as kind of makeshift hospitals. Um, but yeah, uh, l- like you said, Mark, you know, as a, as a fledgling, uh, sorry, w- w- one of the biggest sports league in the world, uh, leagues in the world, if not the biggest, um, it's kind of, you, you'd like to think the Premier League does have a responsibility um, to do this, but at the same time, you know, we should... Uh, commend them for for, for getting behind um, behind the push and and the NHS as well. Hundred percent. I think the other thing we can look at too, guys, is uh, it's a great PR move overall. Um, of course, they're doing this. Hopefully, you'd hope for goodwill, um, but nonetheless, it does make them uh, kind of have a, a couple lights at least shone on them and what they're doing. Um, I'm all for it. it. It's about time, and ultimately, it's an inv- investment too. You're investing in the future of society as one, and you're also investing in the future of the game with the trickle down of the money going to lower leagues. So, all in all, I'm happy with that. Well, as well as. Um you know the, the the support that they've offered to um, the lower league clubs. A lot of clubs are showing their support to the effort as well. Obviously, as as Harry mentioned, you know it won't be long until stadiums are used. I'm pretty sure that uh, the Pirelli Stadium, that Burton Albums Albion Stadium, is being used as a um, emergency hospital. I, I believe I can't remember if I've got that right, but I know it's being used for something. Um, and you know a lot of clubs are continually donating to to local charities and services i know that the aston villa foundation donated to um 
I can't remember what it was, but they donated, donated a lot of food and supplies. I think it was to NHS workers and carers. Um, but as well as that, there's a lot of charity initiatives as well. I know um, Esri Concer is, is facing off against uh, Diogo Jota uh, from Wolverhampton Wanderers on FIFA tomorrow with all proceeds raised from that going to Acorns, which is another great thing. And it, it's it, whilst this is a horrific vile virus that is, is really testing you know humanity as a whole it's showing that we can come together in times like these um you know it, especially you know in terms of the uk um from my perspective you know we we had a call out for two hundred and fifty thousand uh volunteers to sign up and at the last time i checked which was only a couple of days afterwards we'd had over eight hundred thousand sign up and some of those included you know, uh, Aston Villa women players and 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 things like that. So that is something that needs to be commended. Um, but it it's not just footballers, and it's not just you know, uh, it's not just carers and NHS workers that are doing their bit. I think most people uh, are really trying to to do as much as they can, and and I, I think that is absolutely outstanding. Yeah, you can't say enough about it. Uh, just for me, it's just so heartwarming. Like, there's there's so much uncertainty right now. Like, there's there's so many people, me especially, working in the food service industry. I'm gonna say eighty percent. I'm gonna even say upwards the ninety percent of the people I know right now, we're all without jobs. Essentially, not all of us work for places that are able to to pay. You know, for this downtime, I, there's privatized restaurants that haven't been in business since about the sixteenth or seventeenth of March. Um, there, there's no even you know certainty that those businesses are gonna open. Back back up when this all thing's said and done so it, it's just it but to see like people buying like those types of restaurants shirts or being like hey no still do carry out and take out and you know that kind of stuff and you know we're still going to keep showing up if you still keep cooking food it's all just a, a really you know beautiful wonderful thing to see the world actually like come together because for for a while there we didn't even realize it you know and i say a while there is probably more like in the base like five to ten years it just seemed like people were really disillusioned to the needs of other people and now it seems like it completely has turned the opposite direction and we're kind of taking this big big oil tanker and we're slowly moving it to the left and like opening people's minds up a little bit of like hey no like everybody does matter and you do need to do your part even if it is just sitting on the couch and watching tv or playing video games or only going not for an hour for some physical activity that all matters and like to see people come together for me it's really heartwarming because i didn't think you know we've all seen the hollywood movies about if something like this were to happen it always seemed like absolute destruction and chaos as of the time now as we're seeing it it's actually more of a togetherness and it's not just in football it is in society so for me i love to see it i think it's a really heartwarming thing and i'm just really hopeful for the future with what i've seen so far over the past month yeah i mean it's kind of I mean, I I don't think think I could say much more, Mark, after that. But um, yeah, let's let's just hope, you know, uh, without getting too kind of scientific, and you know, this is a football podcast at the end of the day. But let's just hope that this can kind of stop as soon as possible. We can just uh, all enjoy football, which at the end of the day is is a pastime for most of us. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you guys more. I think right now in this whole situation, I think as much as it's being promoted and kind of distributed out in the public to basically stay away from each other i think it's brilliant to see how everyone's coming together in different ways in almost like a non-physical possibility i guess you could kind of say if that makes sense um like i guess the simple message is support your 
your local establishments get get some work out there in terms of supporting businesses or whatever volunteering wise i think it's just there's other ways to support one another even if it's not financially so i i think that's just important to keep that in mind as well Absolutely. And if we turn the conversation back to Aston Villa, there was a bit of news in midweek um, that was was very well received. Um, and it appears that Milejednak has arrived as a new youth coach at Aston Villa. Obviously, the Australian made 165 appearances for Crystal Palace between 2011 and 2016, and 70 appearances for Villa between 2016 and 2019. The hard-nosed midfielder split opinion in his playing time with Villa, but Yedinak's competitive spirit and work ethic is is something that really can't be ignored throughout the entirety of his career. You know, the, the man captained uh, Australia for however many years, never missed a penalty in his professional career. Um, obviously Crystal Palace supporters have been very vocal about their displeasure with the Ednat being pictured on the training pitches at Villa and wondered why their club didn't bring him in. You know, he's somewhat of a, a cultural icon there. Do you think that Yednak is a good appointment as a youth coach? You know, he's never one for flair. Do, do youth setups need a hard man of sorts, Cole? Um, I, I think it's one of two things. Um, I, I can't really be in Yednak's shoes or anyone facing uh, retirement post being a player um but if he's expressed an interest in being a coach getting into the business and coaching side of things why not i think any club um would take someone like yedinak with his resume in terms of leadership um the efforts he put on the pitch um and even with himself he might be figuring out kind of his next move does he want to proceed in this way um is he interested in the long-term thing so i i can see where crystal palace fans are probably up in arms saying this man was our talisman for years he was a huge leadership figure here why are we not uh taking advantage of that it's kind of the same thing when you look at say Mikel Arteta when he went to Manchester City and Arsenal fans were thinking why wouldn't we have gra- um, grabbed this man at that point um there's a few other players that you can make examples of too um it could be a living situation. He could still be living in the Birmingham area. Uh, maybe more convenient for family, not moving young kids. Um, so from that perspective, I understand it. I think from a Villa standpoint, it's brilliant. Um, a leader on and off the pitch. Uh, you know what you're going to get with him. You know he's going to be fair to people, but he's also not going to put up with really any nonsense. So from that standpoint, a good overall move by the club, and I'm happy to see it. Yeah, I think... Um, uh, yeah, uh it's obviously with these kind of things. It's a uh, time will tell how, how it's going to improve the Villa playing squad. But um, I, I actually read a, an article about Yezinak today in um, in the Athletic, and it was just about kind of. I think it's easy to forget with Yednak that we think he was this bruiser, midfield bruiser who uh, who wasn't afraid to get into a tackle. But I, I think as well, he was he was he was a good player technically. I think more so at Palace, you know, when he had he had a slightly different role there. He's more of a of a, of a central midfielder rather than a defensive midfielder. And you know, he had he, he had a good free kick in his locker. And um, as as well, I've I've read interviews around um, uh, around Jedinak, and a lot of people say, you know, he's 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 one of the smartest guys. Uh, they they've played with they've played with he's a deep thinker um and also you know um with villa uh when we were kind of battling up uh, to 
to to go up that first season, uh, twenty seventeen eighteen. That f- that first season when he was really given a push to the Premier League. Uh, I think he was one of the senior figures that um, that you know was a part of that. Just not not just on the pitch, but like Cole said, in the dressing room. You know, one of the players that uh, maybe uh, younger players would come to for advice or um, if if they needed straightening out or so. So yeah, it can only be a positive, and I think. Uh, another thing to remember is um, that a, a lot of the players, or m- maybe not so much now with kind of our transfer activity, but they'll know Yedinak. They'll they'll know, and and not just that, but Yedinak knows the club. He's he's been here for um, since twenty sixteen. So, yeah, uh, good appointment. I I think it, it it will be one of those ones that proves successful. Yeah, I I think the same thing. I think it's just there's just a lot to say about the leadership quality that he showed, especially at Villa, but even more so at Palace. Usually, I mean, for me, for, for at least as far as I've been watching sport, good players and solid players and players with good leadership don't always make brilliant coaches. Um, but I think in the event of of Yednak coming to Villa, I think it says a lot about the retooling and restructuring we hear all the time coming from you know some of the higher ups at Villa talking about how there needs to be a change of youth youth development. We need to start pushing players through the system more. We need to bring in more quality players, and they've been showing Villa's been showing signs over the past. I want to say about two and a half seasons now that they actually like want to bring in players and some of the players we thought were really good didn't make it and some of the players that we didn't really think are all that great are now starting to show what they're about so I think when you bring in Yednak I think you get a lot of leadership ability there um, I, just for me personally I'd be a little bit scared shitless seeing Mila Yednak on the on the training pitch and yelling at me and making me do you know you know go go do 100 yards real quick run around and like all that kind of thing I'd, I, it would kind of scare me a little bit so I don't I don't envy some of these 16 17 18 year olds that that he's going to be training but uh in all seriousness I, I think it's a really wonderful appointment for the club and i think it means a lot that crystal palace fans are actually pretty put off by this news i think that says that um there, there's more than the man that meets the eye or in this case meets the beard <laughs> so over on our twitter page uh, and this will probably be our, our last little segment for this this podcast over on our twitter page this week we asked the question which villa player do you wish never left the club so I'll start first, but I'd like each one of you to um, give us one player that you think should have never left Villa and the reasons why. And obviously, there's there's a load of um, you know thoughts that that people shared on on social media. And uh, I initially posted Andy Wyman, and that you know that's a personal choice. Um, a lot of people wouldn't agree it agree with it, but for the podcast, I'm going to pick Jordan Marve. Um, you know, I I thought he looked a, a really strong player when he first arrived. Um, I've got him on the back of the the, the shirt that I, I think it was the one we were relegated in. I can't I can't quite remember. Um, and you know, I I thought he he could have grown, and you know, especially so now. I think he would suit our our squad down to the ground, and that's no disrespect to to Matt Target. But you know, Marvy's done well uh, at Marseille since since leaving Villa, um, and I, just, I don't know. I just wish that we'd have kept a hold of him a little bit longer because I think he would have offered something a bit more than Neil Taylor, which is also no disrespect to Neil Taylor. Um, what about you, Mark? Who who would your choice be? So I mean, everyone could talk about all the popular ones, like all the big big players that they wish never you know would have left. You know, but for me. 
and, and at least in recent times, we're going to go all the way back to, you know, by 2017, Jordan Veritale, I don't think that he was given a proper shake. He only played 25 games for Villa between 2015, 2017, and he actually played a blinder his first game. It was a 1-0 victory against Bournemouth. I believe that was the beginning of August in 2015. I just don't think he was given a fair shake. Uh, supposedly, the fee was around £7 million for him, but 25 games is an awful, awful little amount of time before judging a player and then moving them on, and then you turn around and look what happens. He's actually a really, really decent midfield general. Um, so I, I don't know. I just I, I think that, that that one was I think they pulled the trigger on that one just a little too early for me. Yeah, um, I've I've gone down a similar route as Mark uh, in terms of kind of picking maybe maybe the words obscure, um, but not so much. I mean, my, my first kind of instant choice would be Michael Brighton, but I think. Uh, to go a bit more obscure, like I said, I'm going to go with Nathan Baker. I thought um, in in his final season at Villa, I think that was 2016-17 when he was alongside Chester, um, he really impressed me, you know, and he's, a, he's that classic kind of no-nonsense, uh, clear line centre-back, um, you know, six foot two. He's a big guy uh, from Worcester, which obviously isn't that far from... Um, from 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 uh, Villa, um, which kind of made him feel like one of our own, especially uh, as he was with the uh, club at youth career as well. Um, and yeah, I think you know he he was just one of those players. It, it might just be that classic kind of rose tinted glasses thing, but I I think you know just sticking him in alongside Mings um, in a back four, I I I think he'd he'd do all right for us still and. Um, yeah, like I said, I, the, the the worrying thing about this question is I can probably make a whole starting eleven of players that you know I've, <laughs> that, that that have left that I, I wish hadn't. But yeah, that's mine. Nathan Baker. What about you, Cole? I honestly thought you were gonna say Nathan Delfonso like our joke oh, pre-recording God, no. <laughs> as just a joke to mock me, and I was laughing out loud so <laughs> badly. But anyways. Um, it's easy to like we said a few of you guys have said before it's easy to go with the obvious like ones like you could have went with christian benteke per se we haven't really had a striker like that well i guess you could say uh tam abraham um but we just haven't had that true talisman in a long time obviously in the premier league itself um but for an obscure one obscure one if i can speak english that'd be great um i would have to go with ashley westwood um a lot of people are probably thinking why uh simple as i think he played 147 times for villa a lot of people got on his back unjustifiably in so many different ways very unfair and i thought honestly he was a pretty solid option in that midfield yes it was during some trying years but we brought him in as a younger player and to be honest he filled that position um to a T in my opinion I think we've always kind of been missing that one of those crucial midfielders that yeah you don't essentially notice them one hell of a lot um, but they do their job silently and he was that man for us and uh, yeah you look at him now with Burnley I think 88 or so appearances if I'm reading the stat sheet correctly um, doesn't really put a foot wrong there and he's thriving in the Premier League in my opinion an obvious choice that uh, we made a mistake on. Absolutely and you know, I think those are all very strong choices from from all four of us, um, and I think that is probably the the best place to to end this week's podcast. Obviously, we don't have uh, very much football to talk about, so we're having to do make do with uh, the news that we've been given. But um, yeah, thanks 
to all of you for joining me tonight. Um, if you'd like to follow us on Twitter, you can do so at Villa Lamp. Uh, on Facebook, forward slash under a gaslit lamp. On Instagram, at under a gaslit lamp. Um, and you can keep up to date with all of our um, COVID-19 isolation content that we've been producing. Um, as always, if you've enjoyed the podcast, please give us a uh, review or a like or a comment on social media. We do appreciate it a hell of a lot. Thanks for listening, guys, and up the villa.